Can we welcome everybody visiting today right now? Just put our hands together and make them feel welcome to our house. My name is Mike Signorelli. I'm the lead pastor here at V1 Church, and I am so excited to jump into this word. Go to Genesis. We're going to start by looking at Genesis chapter 27 and 28. Genesis chapter, but we're going to start specifically in 28. Genesis chapter 28. And today is entitled, this message is entitled Open Heavens. Do you feel the presence of God yet? Open Heaven. Now, I want to warn you. A lot of times people come to church and they're like, well, give me a practical word. And I try. I try to help you with practical stuff as well as the supernatural. But I want to warn you, all I have for you today is the supernatural. There is nothing practical about this word I'm about to preach you. There is no power of positive thinking. There is no 10 steps towards your next level. This is simply unadulterated, the word of God, and this is a revelation from heaven for you today. And I'm not gonna lie and act like I'm gonna give you like a three-point sermon right now. I'm gonna give you revelation. Is that all right? Is that all right? Okay, because... I try so hard to put together messages that flow in that way, but I was telling our team, I said, there's something about this that's needed for this house. Now, um, we've been on a 40-day fast leading into Easter, and we were believing, and, and I don't know, does anybody still believe this with me, that breakthrough is on its way, okay? Has anybody experienced breakthrough even so far? They already had some level, okay, it's beginning to happen. Now, we've got, you know, Will and Liz Camacho are our Connect Group leaders. How amazing are they? Amazing couple. We love them. I saw Will, and that guy is losing so much weight. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm doing the fast you called us to. And I'm like, my man, Will, all right now, all right. Go, go eat some carbs. You're feisty. Um, you know, but we still have many people participating in this fast to some degree. And I wanted to bring this message because the closer we get to Easter, the more transpires, the more begins to accelerate. So as we read Genesis chapter 27 and 28, we read the story of Esau and Jacob. And the reader quickly finds out that neither one of them are a saint. They've got a past. They, they're, they're, you know, Jacob is a trickster. Jacob is a schemer, a strategizer. Jacob is the one always trying to make something happen. He's a move maker. He's always got plans. When you have a conversation with Jacob, Jacob's telling you the new thing he's getting ready to try that's gonna finally fix his life. You know anybody like Jacob? Are you Jacob? Are you Jacob? Turn to your neighbor and say, is that you? <laughs> hey, I got this idea. Um, I heard that, you know, if we start doing this business, I, I watch this thing on Instagram, we can make six figures by next week. We're out of here. Hey, um, hey, I, I was thinking about, you know, it's like he was called a trickster, but Jacob's real identity was more of a strategist because see, he wanted the blessing of God on his life, but he was always strategizing to try to bring it to pass. And when you begin to become like Jacob and you're Pentecostal and charismatic, you can end up getting more involved in Christian-flavored witchcraft than actually becoming a son or daughter of the king. See, when we look at this, the life of Jacob, he tricked his brother Esau out of the blessing that was supposed to come to Esau through the father. 
And he did that not because he hated Esau, but because he wanted the blessing of God on his life. What if I told you a lot of the hurt that you've encountered in your life is not necessarily the result of somebody hating you, but somebody loving the blessing or loving something more than you. In other words, like Jacob, he wasn't, he didn't think about the consequences of stealing from Esau. He was thinking about the benefit of the blessing through his father. And so when, I want you to understand Jacob on another level because I'm gonna try to help you understand how to open heaven over your life. Who, who wants an open heaven over their life? Okay, all of us want the blessing. All of us want an open heaven. All of us want the supernatural realm. But I wanna tell you, most of us are like Jacob. We're strategists. We're tricksters. We're always trying to manipulate a situation in our favor. We're always trying to work things out. We're always trying to tilt the table in our favor. So be reminded that God knows how to work his grace into your life. God knows how to take your entire lifespan and weave, out, weave within that a story of his grace and mercy. But I wanna show you what happens in Genesis 28, verse 11. Let's read it together. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and he put it at his head. And he lay down at that place and he slept. Now why is Jacob sleeping with a rock, a stone as his pillow in this story? Because after the second time of trying to steal his brother's inheritance and he successfully did it, he's now running for his life. And as he's running for his life, he's completely and utterly exhausted. And in a place of exhaustion, he takes a stone, he places his head on that as a pillow. And then in verse 12, it says, then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached into heaven. And there were angels of God ascending and descending on this ladder. Verse 13 says, and behold, the Lord stood above it and he said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give it to you and your descendants. Verse 14 says, also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, and in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Verse 16, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. Surely the Lord was in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. Some translations say Bethel. This is a place called Bethel, a gate to heaven. Isn't that amazing? You would think that in this moment, this would have occurred in Jacob's life as the result of Jacob being a good boy for a long duration of time. You would think that Jacob finally stopped drinking, smoking, cussing, watching pornography, and, and, and really got his act together. And then as a result of that, or a reward for his good behavior, a, a portal of heaven would open above him. 
You would think that he would go to the synagogue and he would do, fulfill his religious duties and we would read in the scriptures preceding this that he did all of his sacrifices, that he gave God more than a tenth of everything that he had and in response to, the, to that, he appeased this Jewish deity who rewarded him with an open portal to, towards heaven. Because that's how every other religion works. You appease a deity so the Aztecs, we need abundance. We need to open up a portal of heaven. How do we do it? Well, let's rip a human heart out of the chest and sacrifice a, a being. That's the account, am I right? Yeah. I mean, what, when you think about it, it's sacrifice is always connected to reward, right? And so what I'm trying to help you understand is most of you are not Christians, Most of you are not Christians because you still treat God like a deity that you have to appease in order to open heaven over your life. And you beat yourself up through condemnation and you constantly remind yourself the reason why these things are not happening in my life from God is because I'm not good enough yet. And the story of Jacob, when you look at him, the portal of heaven Literally a place called Bethel, which means holy place. A holy place was not in a church. It was not in a synagogue. It was in the middle of the woods where he lay his head on a stone instead of a pillow, running from his brother who was trying to kill him because he cheated his brother out twice. And in a place of absolute desperation, in a place of absolute frailty, in a place of absolute weakness, be still and know that I am God. He is laying down completely completely still with his head on a stone. And then God reveals, I'm going to release a blessing on your life that your earthly father could never give you. So he, he was so desperate to get the, am I talking to somebody today? He was so desperate to get an earthly blessing. He was like, he just wanted his father to release the inheritance to him. But then in this place of an open heaven, God himself says, not only am I going to bless you, but I'm going to bless your seed. And your, and your family line is gonna spread in east and west directions. And he released a magnitude of a blessing that was greater than his, his dirt, physical, bodied father could ever bless him with. And why do I say that? Because so many people are trying to appease this deity they call God. And they're like, oh man, maybe if I'm good enough, the blessing of the Lord will be on my life. And finally, I'll have these things. Finally, I'll see this happen in my life. And we're thinking too small. See, Jacob was trying to, see, Abraham, Isaac, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of what? Jacob. So Jacob's goal was to get what Isaac could give him. But see, God said, that's what made you into a strategist. But if you learn how to become a son of the Most High, you'll get what Isaac could never give you and more. See, why do I say most of you are not Christians? Because I know I'm offending you this morning. Because you still don't understand how potent God's grace over your life really is.
You still don't understand how forgiven you really are. You still don't understand how, how much he loves you, the depths of his compassion for you and what happened. Now, can I go even a little, little bit deeper? When you look at this text that I broke down, it said that inside of his mother were twins, Jacob and Esau, but the Bible says that there were two nations in her womb. That means that God had preordained the life of the children that were in the womb. And see, one of those, there were two nations in her womb. One of those nations was going to become perverse and wicked, and another was gonna become righteous, and out of that line was gonna come Jesus. Why is that important? What if I told you, for many are called, but few are chosen? What if I told you that while you were choosing sin, Jesus had chose you for a high priestly calling? While you were choosing depression, anxiety, fear, worry, apprehension, suicide, while you were choosing all these things, God had already chose you. And you can't understand the goodness of God when you begin to realize that it's not about you. It's about what you carry inside of you in a seed form. And sometimes you've got to reconcile, why would he be so good to me while I'm so bad? Because what's inside of you has been foreordained by him. And that's the thing. I want you to become a real Christian because real Christians don't strategize. They surrender. Real Christians don't try to scale the ladder. They try to decrease so that he can increase in him. Real Christians don't have to worry if you see who they are because they're seen by the eyes of their father with loving approval. And so they say, I can pass through a veil into the Holy of Holies where I don't need the audience of a million when I have the audience of the only one that ever will matter. That's what it means to be a believer. Any other religious institution on the planet has to convince you you're bad so that you pay your penance to then hopefully rid your conscience of guilt and think that you're good. The gospel message is that your actions will never make you good. <laughs> You can attend church faithfully. You can hit a streak 52 weeks in a row. You can pay your tithes faithfully to the offering plate every time it goes around. Take out your app and give. You can do anything and everything you think will finally bring you to the place where you arrive, but that will not open the heavens over you. See, when Native Americans want to open the heavens, they do a rain dance because the reward of their rain dance is rain. There's no amount of waving your hands towards God and singing from the top of your lungs that will open heavens. He's not a deity to be appeased. Oh, I'm cutting right to the core of something because even within charismatic Pentecostal culture, we are convinced if we sing louder, the breakthrough will happen. If we wave our hands, now does that mean we don't, uh, we don't worship passionately? No, no, listen, I'm bringing it heavy. I told you I wasn't holding back on you. What it actually means is the passion by which we worship is the response to his goodness, not the desire to generate our own. The way that we give is the response. We give financially in the response of his goodness, not so that he will think we're good. Did you know that after Bethel was established in this place, because this was called Bethel, do you wanna know the first thing that Jacob did after the heavens opened? He promised God, now this was 
years before the, the law of Moses. So the law of Moses doesn't exist. He said, God, I will give you a 10th of every single thing that you bring through me forever. So the response to an open heaven was generosity. So he didn't give to get from God. He actually already received. And in response to what he got that he didn't deserve, he gave. See, I don't worship for a breakthrough. I was already given a breakthrough and I'm worshiping in faith that I'm living in the reality of what was already done. The cross doesn't need to happen again. There is no second crucifixion. There is not a third and fourth and fifth time you need to be forgiven. You may ask for forgiveness again, but you were already forgiven once and forevermore. And so from that place you live, that's what it means. Am I cutting the cord today? Because I want an open heaven over your life. And I believe I'm here to, to announce that. Again, this is a supernatural sermon. But I believe that revival is here at V1 Church. I saw it. I'm like, there is, I told our pastors, I said, have you ever seen a 9 a.m. service worship like this? You are coming expected. But this is the next level. Anybody believe that? This is what it feels like. Going back to the story of Jacob, Jacob had been running for dear life from his brother Esau who wanted him dead. Esau had lost the blessing of his father Isaac. He sold his birthright for a bowl of stew and then he acted foolishly squandering it. Right in the middle of this mess, Jacob falls asleep on this rock and then God speaks to Jacob and confirms, I'm with you, I am blessing you and you are mine. God shows Jacob a ladder with angels going up and down and reaffirms him in the place where Jacob least deserved it. <laughs> Some of you don't know my God yet. You serve a deity. You serve a deity you're trying to appease and that makes you a pagan, not a Christian. But if you knew my God, my God will speak to you when you feel least worthy and remind you that I wash you clean with my blood. I renew a right spirit within you. I gave you my, come on, I gave you my spirit. I empower you. People, Pastor Mike, how do I cast out demons? Help me get better at casting out demons. I've never gotten better at casting out demons. I've become more surrendered to the one who does. Pastor Mike, help me prophesy. I want to get better at prophesying. Hey, I don't prophesy the Holy Spirit through groanings and travailings. He begins to utter words through me. I just decrease and got out of his way. It's not me getting better. It's me becoming more surrendered. Because if you can get better at it, then you can teach it as a formula and then a formula becomes a ritual and then you end up at religion. But you can't get better at casting out demons because there is no formula because you can't create a formula that turns into a ritual that turns into a religion. You simply become more yielded to the one who's doing the ministry through you. And so you don't strategize, you surrender. You don't get better at leading worship. You get better at singing in key, but that's not leading worship. You don't get better at leading worship. You get better at playing your guitar, but that's not getting better at worship. In this kingdom, God will wait till you're at your weakest to remind you whose power you're really wielding. <laughs> Jacob is asleep. 
He's got a rock for a pillow. Now, this is a different kind of sleep. I need you to understand. This kind of sleep is the sleep from exhaustion. Any moms ever sleep this way after nursing all night long? And you're like, who convinced me that I should nurse? My husband could make a bottle. Why did I do this? This is the kind of exhaustion from feeling that you're called to full-time ministry, but working a full-time job you can't stand. This is the kind of exhaustion from fighting with your toxic ex that you keep going back to over and over again. Oh, I know I just talked to somebody, but I closed my eyes so I didn't see who I talked to. This is, <laughs> this is a kind of exhaustion from religion and church attendance and serving without a purpose, forgot why you did it because you're trying to convince yourself that you're a good Christian kind of exhaustion. This is the kind of, I build my business because I believe in a legacy for my family. <laughs> it was in this place that Jacob experienced an open heaven. the place least likely to produce the grace and the favor of God. This is the place where he's the most sinful. This is the place where he's the least repentant. He ran, he didn't repent. He never told his brother he was sorry. (laughs) Oh, I know I'm talking to somebody. Then all of a sudden he, he falls asleep. See, what I've been trying to help you understand is that religion is about how hard you can work and relationship is about how much you can receive. See, Jacob was just trying to receive from his dad. Isaac, I wanna receive, but he didn't know how to receive because the only way he ever got something was by twisting somebody, was by perverting a relationship. The only way that he ever received was by manipulating a relationship. See, for some of you, the only way you ever received is by working it in your favor and manipulating. You don't know what it feels like to get something for nothing. Maybe you had to earn even your own parents' love. Maybe you had to earn the love of your spouse. You don't know what it's like to get something for nothing. Matter of fact, I can't tell you how many times pastoring, we say an event's free, and somebody on Long Island goes, yeah, what are they really trying to get from you? Right? Oh, no, no, it's free. Nothing's free. Come on. (laughs) This is Jacob. I've had to earn and as long as they think that the balance is, the equation is balanced, they receive. But see, in this place where Jacob was completely and utterly exhausted, the heavens opened. And God said, now you will know me in the fullness of my power because you've been completely emptied of yours. I'm trying to help somebody understand that you are one move away from being the best husband you've ever been right when you feel like the worst husband you've ever been. Because have you emptied yourself of, have you ever thrown your hands in the air and said, I can't do it anymore. I don't know how to do it. See, that's the moment where God says, I'm getting ready to reveal my power if you'll let me. I'm getting ready to open heaven if you'll let me. Once you run out of you, you become an empty vessel to be filled with him. Once you Oh, come on, somebody. Once, once you remove. See, 
There's no pride. There's no rebellion. There's nothing left in Jacob. All he is is a man sleeping on a rock. And God said, I got you to that point because now I can give you a dream and you'll know it's me. (laughs) What if I told you that the situations you want to curse in your life right now have been engineered by God to get you sleeping on a rock so he can show you a vision that proves it's only him? Think about it. In Genesis chapter 28, verse 15, he said, I am with you. Me, God, the fornicator. Me, God, the adulterer. Me, God, the cheat, the liar, the curse and drinking, drunken sailor. Me, the Popeye, the sailor man. Me? See, we think if you read the Bible as a pagan, you think that God said to Jacob, I'm with you because Jacob was holy. (laughs) He said, I'm with you in the least holy portion of his life. Matter of fact, I want to take you to Bethel because this location is important. Where he slept is important. I want to take you there one more time as I close. Bethel means a holy place, a gateway to heaven. But watch this. It was the place of his, of his most exhaustion. It was the place of his greatest fears. It was the place of, he was running from, from his life. His brother was trying to kill him. That place was called holy. But if you think stained glass windows and an immaculate cathedral with a glass ceiling is holy, you don't understand God. You, you, you serve a deity, Because deities make those places holy. But our God will say, I want to take the filthiest part of your life. I want to take the part of most fear. I want to take the part of most exhaustion and open heavens over that place in your life. And then I will call that place holy. Why? Because I'll meet you. When you are weak, then you are strong. Draw near to me and then I will draw near to you. I call that place holy. What if I told you that God is calling places holy in your life? He's calling them Bethel where he wants to open up the windows of heaven over your life, but it's the place that you're hiding from him, but it's the place he wants to reveal his glory. That's the open heaven. Think about it. Think about it. Would you stand to your feet with me? Luke chapter three, verse 20, 21 says, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven Look at this. When he prayed, Jesus, the heaven was opened. Wait a second, we see it again. Jacob saw an open heaven. Now Jesus is going, he's praying, he's going to be baptized. Verse 22, and the Holy Spirit descended. Now look, descending and ascending. When there's an open heaven, you see things from heaven coming down and things from the earth going up. Okay, now watch this. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, I get it. This is Jesus. Oh, I get it. Of course God's proud of Jesus. Wait, wait, you missed it. Why is this Bethel? Why is this open heavens? Why is this place holy? I thought you said that the holiest place in our life is the place of least accomplishment. It's the place of lowest performance. Yes, it is. But but no, but Jesus was Jesus. Of course he had the approval of God. No, no, you, you missed the timeline. 
The day Jesus got baptized, he had not started his ministry yet. So God told Jesus, you are my son whom I am well pleased before Jesus started his ministry. Oh, come on, come on, hallelujah. Before he cast out demons, healed the sick, raised the dead, before he even went to the cross. Why? Because we don't work for his approval. We celebrate from a place of approval. We can't earn it. There's nothing we can do to open the heavens. We simply show up to that place and we say, God, in my lowest of lows, what is baptism? We're about to blow the roof off this place, y'all, because heaven is opening. I believe even the worship team's gonna get another level of freedom today. We're, we're talking about open heavens, okay? And here's the thing, what is baptism? Baptism is an act of humility. I am going to disappear in the water, which is signifying of death. I am going to go down. But then what happens? When you go down, when you disappear, so watch this. Oh, y'all about to miss it. Jacob, when Jacob says, I'm so tired, all I can do is sleep. See, now Jesus symbolically goes down into the water in a laying position, and then heavens begin to open when he comes up. You see the heavens begin to open. So what does that mean? We completely surrender. We give God every, we say, God, in my brokenness, in my frailty, God, with my past, I'm a trickster, I'm a liar. God, you, you open up the heavens over my life, not because I'm good, but because you're good. Not because I can earn it, because I can never appease you. Jesus on the cross paid for my forgiveness, never to be paid again. And because of that, there is an open heaven. Open heaven. Now watch what happens. If you guys just start singing those words behind me, because I want to get this in your spirit. <laughs> When heaven is open, Jacob saw angels coming down a ladder and then angels coming back up the ladder. They were coming down and they were coming back up, coming down and coming back up. That ladder was symbolic of Jesus. Jesus gives the heavens access to the earth and up above. The veil has been rent so that now there's things that can be exchanged between this dimension and the heavenly dimension. And because it can be exchanged, see, you will receive a song from heaven. You might be feeling discouraged, but when an open heaven is over your life, a melody, a rhythm, a song will come down. All of a sudden, there'll be an open heaven and what will come down is a word from God. You'll be confused all around you, but because the heavens are open, that word will come down. Strategy for your business from heaven, not from your head. From heaven, not from your head. I don't know who needs to hear that. Strategy from heaven. When there's an open heaven, it doesn't come from your head. It comes from heaven. So I want us to lift our hands from the front to back. I want us to sing these words out now. And I want us to believe for an open heaven, open heaven over your life, over your family. You said it, God. It is done.